to the Bailiwick Express podcast. My name is Matt Fallays. The Express team will be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the Bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we discuss some of the most important topics we in the Bailiwick face. When Peter Furbrush was elected to the top job in Guernsey politics, he said he wanted this state's assembly to be the states of action. That was 19 months ago, and the states are now a third of the way through their term. In the latest Express podcast, I asked Deputy Furbrush what he thinks the states have achieved so far and where they have underachieved. We talked tax, housing, cannabis, division in the states, his ongoing political rivalry with Deputy Gavin St-Pierre, and much else. Deputy Furbrush, welcome to this Express podcast. Thank you. Um, You're president of the Policy and Resources Committee, of course. It was clearly a a role which you wanted. You had stood in 2016, um, and there was that infamous tied vote. Yeah, I lost it because you didn't vote for me. (laughs) And then you prevailed in 2020. So it was a role that you wanted. Yep. Can you summarise why and what is your kind of driving ambition for yep. that role and for fair. the island? I mean, I don't believe in legacies. You know, uh, the very few people leave a legacy uh, and too many people sort of work towards a legacy that you're soon forgotten. I just wanted to do something. I know everybody says I want to do something, something about the community. There was element of that. But I'm not really a process person. I'm a try to get from A to B person. Now... That's very difficult in the states, very difficult in the public sector, very difficult in a democracy. And it's taken uh, not longer than I anticipated, but longer than I wanted, I think, to achieve things. I think we've done something, and I think we'll do some more in the next just over three years left of this term. Uh, but, you know, uh, we don't have proper parties where, you know, that there are going to be 260 Labour votes here and 320 Conservative votes there. We don't have that. We've got the key supporters of various groups, uh, but we've got the floating voters. Uh, who will vote on as he or she thinks on a particular issue. And they're the ones that really, except when it's clear it's going to be this way or that way, they determine the the greyish area debates. Was there one thing in particular you wanted to achieve in this role that you've already achieved or you're working towards? Yeah, I I think I wanted to achieve, uh, and I'm not sure that I will, uh, more social mobility. Because... Uh, I know certain people take different views to me. Uh, when the 11 plus was got rid of several years ago, and I was in the States for the second vote, uh, when it was 21-19, I think, something like that. It was a close vote. Um, although the system needed changing, it was not the same as it was when I took the 11 plus 324 years ago. But uh, in my view, the complete destruction of it uh, did away with social mobility. No, it didn't, didn't away. It hampered social mobility. I want people... It, we're all equal, we're all born and we're all going to die and it's how we journey our lives between the first day and the last day that matters and nobody's better because they're the, you know, the son of a prince uh, or the son of a printer. They're, we're all the same, all the daughter of a printer. Uh, but some people have advantages in life, other people who don't have advantages should be given every opportunity to maximise their potential and if they want to be innovative and get on, they should. So that's really what I wanted to achieve. I mean, one of the practical aspects now, of course, is housing. Now, housing is... Uh, there was a crisis after the Second World War. 
Uh, but this is a different crisis. This is and you've time. spoken recently about it being the state's main priority and, and your personal Absolute priority over the next, next 12 months. Years. Well, I think the next three years, because it's not, you know, we're not suddenly going to be able to build 5,000 houses. Well, we're going to build 5,000 houses, but a, a chunk of houses. But we've got to do something. I mean, I've had little ideas, I've had big ideas. A little idea I had, but this is a, I'll get the little idea out of the way before, is that we could enliven town. And I think people have accepted that by having more people living in town. I, for example, many years ago, because, you know, I was born in Shottery, so I used to walk up and down Mansell Street and Mill Street nearly every day, go to the market, go into town, etc., etc. It's sorry now, by and large, uh, and we should have turned it into a young professionals-type muse, it's not a muse, but that side of concept, where young professionals could buy the houses, have underground parking or parking facilities somewhere. Those people would then gravitate into town. They would go to the restaurants, they would enliven it. You might have had an artisanal bakery or butchery or something. That's a small issue. That's not going to solve the problem. What I would do, and I remember Peter Roffey getting hot under the colour in March of whatever it was, a year or two ago now. Uh, that must have been March 2021. 20, uh, when I said an off-the-cuff remark at, at, uh, I, at a Chambers Commerce. A chamber, is it? Chambers or IOD? Anyway, something at OGH I was speaking at. And I said all the social housing should be transferred to Guernsey Housing. I said, why are you disgusting with me? So I gave him six months. Well, we're a little beyond that six months now. But... I would sell uh, all the, the social housing to the Guernsey Housing Association. I think they've shown they run it very well. They've done, they're brilliant. I know Steve Williams is retiring soon, but I'm sure that his successor, whoever he or she may be, will carry on the good work. That of itself, of course, wouldn't create more social housing units. So no, no. To, but, but, but can, can you explain how, how doing that see, it's, it's would two, it's, it's two get things. to the it's objective? A, it's not only social housing. Social... That would get two hundred million pounds, whatever the figure is. I know it's valued at less than that. Let's. I'm just saying two hundred million pounds. Uh, let me just go back to social housing because you rightly asked me a question about that. The states bought uh, Kenilworth Finery. That's going to progress. Uh, it could. It could purchase another property which is adjacent to it, uh, which would allow for an integral building project and would give far more social housing units. So there are other projects, Belgrave, etc., etc., Stratfontaine, whatever you call it. Uh, at other places. You're never going to solve all your social housing, but that would make a big dent in it. So the income from selling well, the, the state housing... Capital housing. And, and, but that could then be used, as you see it, to reinvest in, in new housing. Yeah, what I would do, uh, that would be not for social housing. This would be ring-fenced, so it doesn't go into general capital thing to buy a new school, build a new school, build a hospital wing or whatever. It's ring-fenced for housing. States buy up land, but at reasonable prices, developers wouldn't be allowed to, you know, to make unreasonable profits, etc., etc. Uh, and that would be for uh, Mr. LePage, Miss LePage, to have the opportunity for either partial ownership and or buy a plot. You know, people used to build plots and then they get their mates to come around. I know it's all very difficult with builders being chock-a-block with work at the moment, but you're not, this would take a period of years. But it would give people hope and aspiration, and people should have hope and aspiration. I don't think we have enough of that now. So that would be quite a radical idea in the Guernsey context, which yeah. I suppose speaks to how significant you think this issue is. The average price of a of a house is now, and it's something like sixteen times average yeah, earnings. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, which has steadily, uh, I think, over a period of forty years, it's gone up from something like three or four times yeah. average earnings to yeah. sixteen times. Yeah, I think that's right. But. We have statistically full employment. Yep. Uh, we don't perhaps have a booming economy, but we have a, a very healthy no, no, economy. It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a sick economy by any means. So isn't the reality that it's, it's going to be 
very difficult, maybe even impossible, for the states to intervene with its very limited levers and limited well, I powers. I think that's a big lever, £200 million. Pounds. Uh, that's still, even in the 21st century, a big chunk of money. And you're not talking about giving it away. You, none of this is going to happen tomorrow, uh, but it gives people hope. And you're right, 16 times, 570000 whatever it is for the average price. Some of those people have been helped because they've got mum and dad who can give them a £50,000 deposit. Not everybody. Other people have saved up assiduously and hard over a period of time, or they bought one property, sold it, and made another thing. But there's still a heck of a lot of people out there who are paying high rents or would love to buy. They're living with their mum and dad because they can't buy a place, so they're with mum and dad. When so do you buy. think this, this ratio of 16 could come down? Do you think the states can actually intervene I think it can. in a way which can get it, it down? It's like supply and demand. You know, uh, a silly analogy is you've only got two chocolate bars, people will pay £1,000 for the chocolate bar. You've got two million chocolate bars, you'll get it for a penny. Uh, you know, it's not quite like that, but you understand the point of me. Mm. So um, you said when you were elected that you wanted the states to be uh, a states characterised by action. I think action yeah, this action day this is day, a phrase you've yeah. used a few times. Yeah. Um, on which actions or achievements would you want your presidency of PNR to be judged so far? I mean, there's still three yeah, years of no, the term left. I would say but so I far. Would, I would say uh, because things have taken longer than, than I wanted and be in some cases I expected. I would say the, the laying of cable. cable. Uh, that's, they might seem minor things, but that's a five-year project, as you know. £37.5 million, pounds, the state's put in a third of it, Shaw put in the rest. That's already going uh, full pelt well. That was something that hadn't really progressed under the last states. We've pushed it. I mean, it's not just me. You know, It's not Peter Furbrush. It's the people in the states, uh, P&R, economic development, certain economic development members, uh, that have pushed that across the line. Uh, I would also say, on a, on a purely practical basis, because you'll recall from the last states, we went from policy council to PNR, and really the the principal presidents really met as a group. This is an internal thing. I've established uh, a presidents' meeting, which once a month. It's just a discussion. We ask people what topics they might want to raise, and we talk for an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, it's not a cabinet government thing, but it allows people to hear what other people have got to say and to say what they've got to say. I appreciate that's a pretty minor thing. I think we will get the boat recon door. It's taken a bit longer than I said at the scrutiny meeting earlier in the year. Uh, but I think that will come. Guernsey Investment Fund, will, I think, will advance the funds and there'll be a, there'll, there'll be a boat. I think Do we, you think that will happen this calendar year? I, th I think so. I was certain it was going to happen in January. Uh, I think so. I can't see any reason why it shouldn't. And we've still got seven and a half months to go of this year. So I'd be very disappointed if that didn't happen. But it will happen. Uh, now, again, none of it's me. And I think just generally we've got some, uh, we've got some other projects uh, in line that aren't at fruition yet. But as I say, we've got three and a bit, just over three years to go of this term. I interviewed uh, Deputy Salisbury um, a few days ago, and, yeah. and, and she made an observation. Of course, she's leading the government work she's plan, trying to very well too, yeah. bring together the work of the states. And she made the observation that she felt that this state was perhaps more disciplined in its decision making, which perhaps is partly because of the government work plan, yeah. but also was more tribal and partisan. Is is that I, um, an assessment you broadly I agree why, with? I, I can understand why she said it, uh, but look at last time. I think it was pretty tribal last time. Uh, you could almost predict, except on certain debates, you could almost predict that 
X was going to vote this way and Y was going to vote that way. I think I think it's just carried on really. I think it's become more factional uh, and tribal over a period of time, and not just in the last nineteen months. So more more so than in your first term in the states. Oh, when I was in the states from ninety four to two thousand, there were fifty seven people. The states meetings used to last not five minutes, but they didn't last very long, because you had your deputies, your concierges, and your parish representatives. Uh, if P and R uh, or advisory and finance, as it was in that day, and I was a member from ninety seven to two thousand. If it said something, it had no more power than PNR does today. 95% of the time that would be nodded through. The only 5% it didn't would be something if you would talk about perhaps street lighting or something like that, where everybody had an opinion and you know, views may change. So why do you think political debate has become more fractious then? Because the, the impression is that uh, p- political differences of opinion have always of existed and so people have their strong opinions. But there isn't quite the same ability to, to leave that at the door of the that's state the chamber is there. Right. So why do you think that's that has happened over a period of time? Uh, I think it's just a change in the nature, and I'm generalising of course, of politicians. Uh, of course we used to have some good old boys and some good old girls in the last state, when I was in the states all those years ago, that had been there for a long time, but they weren't seen as career politicians. We've now got people that go into the states and I think see themselves as being a politician if they're elected for the next 20 years. Uh, and uh, I think that also there are some strong personalities and those have divergences of opinion and certain people have coalesced behind those particular people. It, it may be that um, political parties continue to evolve. Yeah. Um, you, you were involved in two, in, two of the, the, in the, the infancy I of was. parties I or was. associations, I think you called them, didn't you? Yeah, but they yeah. were they were effectively a forerunner of parties. Were, I, I mean, based on the last 18 or 19 And you also months, said there was a third party, which it never was, the Van Party. The, 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 yeah, well, the, 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 those of was. you campaigned on the, <laughs> on the side of a van, but we ve- did, very we successfully. Did. We did. Um, uh, and I think we've now all ended up as, as We all ended up as principal presidents. Major yeah. committees. Um, but uh, based on your experience in, in this term, then, um, are you now more or less enthusiastic less about enthusiastic, parties? Less enthusiastic. Uh, the party led by Deputy Sapir disintegrated within a few months of it uh, taking office. Uh, well, they didn't take office, but the new states. The Guernsey party is really the only party I would regard as in existence. So Deputy Sapir said he started a new party, but I don't think we've seen much of that yet. I've no doubt we will. Uh, see some of it sooner rather than later, or at least before the next election, if they're going to be a, a major force. And the Guernsey Party, I think, you know, they're the individuals, but even they have, I've noticed uh, in the last 18, 19, 20 months of this state, they have had different views on certain things. Uh, so if people want to have, you know, unite in a party, fine. I, I just don't think, I don't, I think some people didn't vote for people because they were in a party. I mean, I've had people say to me, I would have voted for him or her. They were in a party, so I wasn't going to vote for them. Do you think it's unlikely that you will join no, not, a, a party no, again? No, 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 no. I'm not going to join a party uh, at all. I, I mean, I was in those association stroke parties, call them whatever we will. Uh, and I don't regret it because I think it was something to look at. But having now come into this assembly as a non-state, uh, non-party member... Uh, I think it's better. You might stand again, though, at the next election. Yep. You haven't ruled that out? No, I haven't ruled out standing. I have ruled out, some months ago now, standing as Chief Minister. Not that I think we should have the American rule, you know, two terms or whatever it is. I don't think that. I just think that, you know, with my age, you know, life moves on. 
And this is a full-time job being the, the either president of PNR, chief minister, call he or she, whatever you will. I think it'll be time for somebody else to do it in three years' time. But I wouldn't mind standing, again, health and personal circumstances, none of which we could foresee in three years' time, uh, and perhaps being a, 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 you know, a passive but occasionally vocal backbencher. You mentioned um, the, the potential purchase of a ferry or, or, or leasing a ferry or whatever the arrangement yeah. would be, um, which was announced as, as an objective, I think, in January. And around the same time, um, Deputy Mahoney, who, who leads on property for policy and resources, uh, uh, appeared to announce this, this plan that policy and resources had to, ha- to have um, private homes built on the cattle hospital site and fields around the cattle hospital. And let's, let's get that right, because that came out at the same scrutiny debate, I believe. Yeah. Now, Dave had circulated to all members of PNR, I can't remember exactly when, three, four or five days before, saying, this is what I'm going to publish. Can I have your views, please? And one or two went back with views. I supported completely what he said, and I think the majority of PNR supported what he said. So when he said what he said, it wasn't just, it was his, his idea, and he led it very well, but it wasn't just his idea. Now, he wasn't saying that we're going to have to ignore the planning legislation, we know. He was saying, this is an objective, let us consider it. That's the way that he was putting it forward. And it must be an objective. You're entitled to have an objective. And, and it, does it still have the same status, or, or do you think policy and resources has moved on from that I think idea? we've probably moved on a bit. I don't think it's been abandoned, uh, but we want to get... I mean, look at the hoo-ha uh, over whether you should build nursing accommodation uh, in a small field uh, at the uh, Prince Elizabeth Hospital. I mean, you have thought people have been raped, pillaged and murdered in the press and uh, other sources because... Uh, uh, that was uh, put forward. That was put forward by the president of uh, health and social care, Deputy Barada, at a housing action group meeting that I attended. Because there's three permanent members, which is Peter Roffey, who's a chair, Lindsay de Summeray and me. We're the three. And but uh, president of the DPA attends as in, like an advisor, and Deputy Mahoney attends because of the state's property, you know, PNR responsibility. But we're the only three voting members. Now, uh, I voted in favour of uh, the development there because we were told by a very experienced uh, civil servant who works for the Board of Health, as I used to call it, I still call it now, but you know what I mean, uh, that this was the site we really needed and this was urgent. Uh, and I've only really known her, I've known of her, but I've, I've known of her since I've been in, on the uh, Housing Action Group. And I thought, if she says something, I respect that view, because that's not going to be said as a mere flotsam and jetsam. Supported by the civil servant who's head, who runs property, Mark Osier, who's an experienced surveyor, etc., etc., used to be in the commercial field, so he's not, you know, he's not a career civil servant. Uh, and Dave Mahoney, who's in charge of property. To me, it was an overwhelming case. Uh, Deputy De Summary and Deputy Roffey took a different view. That was the majority of HAG. I think it was the wrong view. And now there is a raquette. Yep, which I'm going to vote against. You, you will vote against. So, so you remain of the view that the, the accommodation should be built on, yeah, on I mean, the field in question. What I would do, you know, if I were the dictator, the benevolent dictator, of course, of Guernsey, which I never will be, I would... Uh, the land where the Duchess of Kent is and up to where the dairy is, I, 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 all of that would be the Board of Health. They would have all of that land. I'd move the dairy. As soon as it's practical, you know, and I, well, th- there is a time frame for that because you've only got so much money, etc., so that would be the Board of Health, the Department of Health's uh, responsibility, and they could do whatever they want with it, put nursing accommodation, put more hospital facilities, put the medical specialists, whatever they were going to do, that would be it, because it makes sense to have it within that confines. Uh, but the Duchess of Kent is still a working building, we are told, by those that run it. I'm not there every day. 
And uh, although it was only opened in 1973, so it's less than 50 years old, uh, probably like many buildings built at that time, wasn't built to the standard that you would have expected. But nevertheless, I think 100, 110 people, I can't remember the exact figures I was told at the time, worked there. Where are they going to go? Eventually, I believe that building should be knocked down and that space could be used better. But I think that would take a period of years. People need residential accommodation for nurses, nurses now. You mentioned the, the dairy site, and when you were president of the State Trading Supervisory Board, um, I think it was during your, your tenure, you managed to persuade the states that there was a need for significant capital investment in the dairy, probably by moving it to a new site. Have you changed your mind about that at all? No, no, I haven't. And I think the right site is a Brickfield House, because, you know, that site, uh, SDSB have come forward with plans. It's just not practical at the moment because of the costs involved. Uh, they want and I say I can see the point, uh, to advance it so that it's at the earliest stage of the government work plan, capital projects, if I can use that phrase, uh, that we can we can currently afford, because we've only got so much money. You, you have, the states have, but, but almost every year um, the, 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 the outturn financially is, is healthier than is predicted. Indeed. Now that's probably because of... There was a big fillip, though, don't forget, because of COVID, because nobody knew... Who could predict, you know, we all predicted a bit of doom and gloom, I think, with COVID. The bounce back from that was over 40 million and net. So we went from 12 that, or 13 That's true. But, but it's not unusual, is it, for, for no, the no, states? No, you're, you're to, right. It generally, touchwood, better than generally touchwood turns often. out better than predicted, but not, not to the extent it did in that particular year. No. So um, when you look at capital projects, I mean, what, which are in this term, mm. uh, what is the, 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 towards the top of your priority list to deliver? Well, I think that's already been, it's in the government work plan. Uh, so I think that's a very ordered plan. Uh, the idea was there'd been lots of plans before, uh, but they've been too grandiose in my view. This is still a difficult plan in the sense that uh, what Deputy Salisbury did with the first version was to do the best she could and she did a good job to make sure it was as realistic as it could be. But, you know, it, it's not the it's not the P&R plan, it's the States of Guernsey plan, or somebody's got to lead it, so P&R lead it. Uh, I still think we're asking, even if what we put forward now is approved, there's still too much in there, but at least it's a plan. Something that's in there is um, new anti-discrimination legislation. Yep. And as you know, that has been worked on for a number of years. Indeed. Uh, but it has become, I think it's fair to say, increasingly contested and yes. controversial. Um, now, you're not sitting on the committee which will bring it to the no. States, but there will be a lot of people who will look at you as the, the senior most States member for some, some guidance, guidance yeah. uh, and a steer on that. Um, are, are you going to throw your weight behind the anti-discrimination law and try and get it most established? Of it, most of it. Let me tell you most of it. Uh, there are always going to be some idiots in any society, but in Guernsey we haven't got too many, but we've got some, who would discriminate against somebody because of their colour, because of their religion, because of their gender, whatever it may be. All sensible people are against that. So anything that, or, or, or because of disability. Anybody that uh, doesn't support that is not a decent citizen. So I'm 100% in support of that. It's this. There is a definition that concerns me about you know, it, uh, that I think it might maybe too wide. I mean, we're going to... People have told me that they are concerned. I've said, you just don't tell me you're concerned. You've got to speak to those that are promoting the legislation to express your concern. I know they'll say, well, there was a consultation process and you should have spoken before. 
but you know it's not over till the states have approved it in whatever form it does so i think it that may need some attenuation and and that perhaps means amendments yeah. to the legislation yeah, yeah. Yeah. not to throw the legislation out no, completely not. but to try absolutely to amend it not. I, ab- absolutely not uh, we need legislation uh, when i say we need it uh, i grew up there were only two black families in guernsey as far as i was aware and they lived just down the road from me i lived in shrottery they lived in uh, Park Street, Pedford Street, etc. We, that sounds not we, because they were part of us. We never thought of them as black people. We thought of them as, they were our mates. We played football with them, we punished each other. We, you know, we went to school with each other. We did all those kind of things. So uh, that was the attitude all those years ago when I was a kid. Uh, as I said, you're always going to get some idiots, aren't you, in any society. But Guernsey people don't discriminate. Uh, they're, not, they're, they're not discriminatory people. Uh, but I think for we should have some basic legislation which states that that's going to be an interesting debate to watch Uh, another item that's in this edition of the government work plan published last week uh, or potentially is a review of uh, cannabis laws I do I mean we don't need to go into um, exactly how the proposition is structured because it's quite complicated whether this work will actually happen but do you think first of all there should be a review of the legal status of cannabis and do you think it should ultimately be at least decriminalized I I would never for years have prosecuted anybody for possession of cannabis Uh, and I think the police don't generally I think the statistics show you know if you're if you've got 68 other charges they might chuck in that as the 69th charge but uh, a person in the street who's stopped by a police officer for whatever reason found to be in possession of a small amount of cannabis, I can't recollect the, the last case that person was prosecuted, and that should never happen. Now, there are some laws that are in existence that you just, you don't enforce. Uh, you know, it's still the law, but you don't enforce. So I wouldn't enforce that law. I think it needs, we haven't got the time to do it in this state, I believe, in a considered version, because yes, it would be very easy to say we decriminalise cannabis. Who's going to import it? What, how are you going to control the price? Uh, where's it going to be sold? What do you do to those that don't have a license? You know, they still import it. Is that a criminal offence? Is that a civil matter? And this is what the Committee for Health and Social Care presumably want to look into. But it takes. But it's not the priority, is it? We've got other things. If we had no work on our plate, you know, we had a uh, uh, we were up to date, or we could manage it fine. Health, health and social care have got masses to do already. They've got more business as usual to do probably than any other committee. Uh, Medical science changes, people's aspirations for health are, they, they alter daily, uh, and rightly so. Uh, Al Broad, I think, has been a very good president in the last 18, 20 months, whatever he has been president of the, uh, health and social care, when nobody else wanted it. And he took it on, and he's put his back into it. Uh, he says to us, with tongue-in-cheek, in a proper way, I could spend every penny you could give me and more. He could take the whole of the state. And I, I no doubt it would be spent wisely. So uh, compromise has got to be made in that regard. This is not to me a major issue. My own view is uh, that if people want to take cannabis, fine. The people do it for medicinal purposes, and I understand that, and the doctors and analysts know it must help people because they wouldn't prescribe it and allow people to take it. I think if you take it, you're a fool. But then if you drink too much, you're a fool. If you smoke cigarettes, you're, a, you're not doing yourself any harm. I don't think it does you any good. I don't think cannabis is good for you, except for the medicinal purposes that people who know better than me can say. But that's not for me to say, otherwise I could say, you know, to some of my friends who are overweight, don't eat any burgers. I'm telling you, you can't eat any burgers. If they want to eat burgers and get fatter and clutter, you know, and have a heart attacks and strokes, that's their business. So do you think in, in the end, the way society, social trends are moving, that, that cannabis will end up 
not being uh, illegal in the way it is, but that you ju- you just don't think the states have the resources to look no, at we it. We don't have to, the resources to it. And it's so not you, just, your vote against. I will vote against the proposed it at the moment, unless something is, again comes forward that. Uh, you because know, you, you you can be changed. Your, your views can be changed genuinely over a period of time when you hear more research, you have more information. Uh, if it was just as simple as, you know, waving a magic wand, saying cannabis is uh, now a legal drug and you're not going to get prosecuted for it, that would be fine. But it spreads. It, it, it's a very big work stream and we haven't got the resources. Um, clearly one of the, the things, perhaps the, the major uh, area of work that, that faces you in, in the months ahead is, is around public finances. Yeah. Um, you have personally been very clear um, about the condition of public finances yeah. and your view. Uh, the, the deficit projected is, is perhaps as much as £85 million. Pounds. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a revenue deficit, you appreciate that. It, it's to it's fund... A, there'd be a small revenue surplus, essentially. but that could yeah. go either way uh, if something happens. Yeah, you're right, £85 million is the figure. So, um, and, and, and you have said very openly, uh, you know, I'm a reluctant tax riser, yeah. but taxes are going to have to be increased. Yeah. Uh, and of the options that you've studied, GST at 5% or 8% is the most effective and the fairest way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but your Treasury lead is not quite in the same position as you on this, is he? Well, I think he, our views are open. I've told you what my view is at the moment, but it could it could change because we went on a uh, information gathering exercise uh, in relation to it. And I think Mark Kelly has been the bravest of all politicians in the last day because he came in on a no tax rise manifesto and he sat down there and he's man enough to have said, I realise that there need to be changes. I realise that... Uh, that position is probably not a tenable one. I think that's a, a very brave thing to do uh, to a, a new politician, albeit in a senior role. Uh, so I don't think he's saying, I think we're all saying the same thing. We want more information. We're going to delay it now until November, December, probably December, anyway, before the end of the year, uh, to see what other options. One of them is, the, you know, Charles Parkinson's way, this corporate tax thing. If it works, great. I don't think it is. We've gone out, it's taken longer than we thought, and it's costing a £200,000, so it's not a mere bagatelle. Uh, to experts to look at it to see because we want everybody to have as much information as they can now when I gave an update uh, you know the period of clock dates that presidents do a month or two ago I said I was really saying loud and clear but sotto voce probably in some way to those who just say smaller government give examples don't just say we want smaller government we cut 50 civil servants 100 civil say how why, where and when and what the cost of that will be uh, or uh, if you want certain things excised, taken out of the, the state, that the state doesn't provide this, that or the other, you say what it is. The officers there are available to you. They're, you know, they're not under my command. They will give you such assistance as is possible. Uh, they're not going to be told, well, don't speak to him or her because they might say something we don't like. Um, so you go along and if you've got an idea, put it to them and they'll do as much analysis as they can. The Deputy Heller's party, the Guernsey party, are very openly saying that they will not vote for GST. Yep. Yep. I mean, are you very confident that at the end of the year, when this is presented to the states, that, that he as Treasury lead will get in front of the states and put his full weight behind the introduction of GST? I think or do you think you, it may fall to you to know. end up I, leading it? As I say, he's a very principled and brave politician. It's a pleasure to work with him. Uh, in the States, uh, when you have an acrimonious debate sometimes, uh, my uh, character shows occasionally. Uh, Marx doesn't. You know, he, he, he is, takes all the information, he responds very well to the debates he leads, he's always very respectful. 
Uh, I think he will lead it. I mean, it, we're not at that view. But if, if in November, Mark were to say, I don't think I can put, quite put this forward, would you do it? I'll do it. I don't expect that to be the case. You're um, a realist and you've been around politics a long time. Yep. Uh, you, you must think it's unlikely that you're going to be able to persuade the states to, to vote for GST. I think it's going to be unlikely, is it the word? I think it's not an unfair word, uh, Mac. I think it's difficult. It'll be difficult. But people will be... Uh, let us just say... We were told, we, were give, we brought some civil servants over from Jersey a month or two ago, I can't remember exactly when now. Uh, so they were civil servants. They didn't have any axe to grind. They weren't politicians. We asked them to tell states members how GST had worked in the 12, 13 years that it's been in operation in Jersey. Because everybody said, oh, the administration cost me terrible, cost millions and trillions. Jersey's a bigger economy than us. It cost them £800,000 to administer, £800,000. Their rate was originally 3%, as you know, went up to 5% pretty quickly. It stayed at that rate ever since. In 2020, it raised £94 million. So probably, I'm guessing now, £100 million, because we've had two years since then, perhaps a bit more. We would bring it in if we brought it in, if the states approved it at probably 8% over a period of time, not initially, over a, a period of time. And that would yield uh, 70, 80, perhaps 85 million. Jersey, of course, introduced uh, GST off the back of introducing 010. Yeah. We should have done one it. could argue that, that they therefore had a had a, a, a reason they could go out to their population yeah. and it was yeah. easier to explain. Do you think it was a mistake that Guernsey did not introduce GST at that time? It's difficult when you're not in government and it's easy to say he should have done that because that's what Jersey did. I think it would have been easier to do it then than it is now uh, because 010 was coming in. We didn't quite know what we were going to lose. We knew it was going to be from having a healthy surplus it was going to be to not having a healthy surplus. Uh, so that, and also there was a financial, real financial concerns at the time about the world economy and uh, our economy. So it was a thing, uh, I think it would have been easier then. Is this the hardest policy change that you have had to take out to the public and try and persuade people of in, in your two periods in politics? Yeah, I think it is really. I think it is. Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, suddenly trading abortion, although they're, they're important, but... This is the most important. This is what pays the bills. This is what tells people whether we can invest in our capital infrastructure, and whether we can uh, meet all the health costs that will, that will grow. I mean, our society, we're not alone. Uh, you know, we've got an aging health, uh, aging uh, demographic. We've got less people working. Uh, so, um, you know, it's going to be difficult. Do you think it's fair to say that some states members who, who now see the need for some tax rises, even if they're not necessarily in favour of GST, have contributed to a public perception that the states waste money uh, and that there is no justified reason for increasing taxes and expenditure can be cut? And, and that in that sense, that the states have been, or states members have, have been their own worst enemies because they've now created this perception which they can't overcome publicly. I think there is, I think there is that. Now, I can remember going up uh, to uh, Professor Shaw's room at uh, St Martin's with other pre presidents when it was put forward by Paul Whitfield and Gavin St Pierre that we could have 385, I think was the number, something like that, reduction, and we could do this, and it would cost 16.6 or 16.7 million. That's turned out to be, I don't know where they got that information from. That's not going to be achievable. It's going to cost a lot. It's already cost more than 16.7 million. It will go up costing that. The savings will be a lot less. Having worked, and I appreciate we had Brexit to finish off. Uh, we had the second round of COVID. Uh, 
and all those things. Uh, and also we've had Ukraine, right? you know, that's not to the same extent. Work-wise, it's very important uh, to our community, other communities. Uh, but we've got a core of very able civil servants who've worked splendidly under that time. And I feel well advised by those people, well advised by them. So I haven't turned native, but I think that the, the chances of saving big chunks of DOSH are not good. Uh, not, not good sounds as though we could do better. You can always do better. And not realistic would be a better way of putting it. I know you, you want to try to get the tax reform through the states, and that's what your focus yeah. is going to be on. But uh, you will also be looking beyond that, yep. because you have to in, in terms of responsible planning. If the states don't embrace tax reform and so don't substantially increase the income to the states, what do you think the Policy and Resources Committee is going to advise the states to do at that point? Because you can't endlessly run the projected deficit. I mean, will you think, put a different package of, of, of spending cuts to the I, states? I think that's think? what we'd have to do. I think it would say, OK, we're OK, uh, but you don't plan just for OK till the end of 2020, till the next term, till three years' time, three and a half years' time. But beyond that, we're not going to have sufficient funds to do these things. So I can only say I haven't discussed it in any detail with my colleagues at PNI yet, but I would sit, we'd then be coming, I would have thought, in the first half of next year saying, You've rejected that, folks. We've, we've either got no tax cuts, uh, no, no tax increases, or we've got 10 million or whatever the figure is. Therefore, it's going to mean this, this and this. And that's what you're going to have to tell the public. Well, why isn't PNR trying to do more of that at this stage? I, mean, I, I appreciate that there is quite a lot of public engagement, which is very much to the committee's credit. But I'm not sure you're getting over the message of what the consequences would be. No, I think that's right. Of not I actually, following your proposal. I agree with you. And I think... The delay, which was occasioned really because of the, we didn't have this information on the corporate taxing, and we didn't want people to be able to go and say you could do this. We want to have, you know, if somebody magic wand can be waved and we could suddenly raise another hundred million pounds at the blink of an eye from corporate tax, problem solved. But that's not going to be the way, in my view. Uh, there's no point in me saying it. Those are more learned than me should look at it and be fair and turn over every stone, etc. Uh, but I think that between now and November, stroke more likely December, going to the states. I would go out to the public. I mean, we have tried it, not just in the, you know, the, the things we've done. I, uh, I may be in the minority of one, I don't know. I may be in the minority anyway. We'd have a Beausajour event, uh, a veiled design room event, uh, you know, that kind of public coming up and showing them information. There's still only going to be a few hundred people and you go out on uh, social media, etc., etc. And uh, also, not just on tax, but on anything, I sent a note out to all deputies recently saying, why don't we have a chat in little groups of four or five on whatever you like. You can come and ask me anything. I'll tell you whatever I know, etc., etc." I've had nine responses. Nine responses. I'm quite happy to talk to any of them. Uh, and that disappoints me. So what have you got? About a quarter of the states have come back. But why do you think that is? What, what, what do you I don't read know. into I, that? I think there may be some... How dare he... I mean, the way I put it is that I want to hear from you, you know, and I'll tell you whatever I can tell you. Uh, and I don't think there's much I can't tell people. You know, there aren't many secrets in the States. Uh, you know, CCA type stuff, and most people know about it anyway. Uh, so uh, I don't really know. I, you've asked me the question fairly. I think you should be asking it to others as to why they haven't responded. You have always... Um talked about the need not to get into this kind of ma management of decline mindset. Yeah. Do you think that's another risk if the states don't yes. uh, go it with the, the tax proposals? I mean, it's a bit like 
Uh, and I've said it before, you know, humble clergy and all that kind of stuff. People have heard that and got bored with that. But because of the way I've brought up, when I lived in the UK in the 70s, there were three elections I voted in, the two in 74 and the one in 79. I always voted Labour. But the country was saved by Mrs Thatcher because it was the Tories, the wet Tories as they called them, uh, you know, the, 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 they were managing, they saw themselves as managing the end of capitalism. It would come to an end, but if they could slow the pace of this growth of socialism, that's what they were going to do. She said, I'm not having that. Uh, and, uh, but we would have to tell them, you know, if you haven't got the money, you can't, you can't do the things you wanted to do. So it would be a decline of sorts. Tax reform is, is a big issue on the agenda. Yep. Um, commercial ports facilities is, yep. a, is a big issue on the agenda. Now, both of those things have, have gone before this state's already in, in one form or another. And the, the, the outcome on both occasions, has, well, with both issues, has been to do more work, carry out more reviews, yes. examine more issues and, and, and essentially prevaricate. Indeed, indeed. Um, do you think that the states actually have the courage to make the big decisions which are necessary on, on tax reform and commercial ports facilities and other policy areas of similar magnitude? I think it, it, it'll be patchy. I think in some things they might. It's what I said. We talked about factionism or tribalism, whatever you call it before. There are those on that camp, those on that camp. Uh, it's the swinging voter, the swinging voter in the middle that will determine that. Uh, I would hope they're going to have the courage on both issues. But... Uh, in relation to the development of the ports, etc., I'm all I, I've got some confidence because don't forget we've just established or in the process of establishing a development agency. I think there is the will for that. That means we'll get more outside guidance. We should give those people a, a significant degree of freedom, and they'll come forward with ideas. I think there is a good chance that that will get through. As to the tax situation, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. You, in the past, have been uh, broadly sympathetic to changing our system of government yeah. and adopting a more of a ministerial system. Does that remain your view? Because this is obviously under review at the present time. Yeah, I, we should have had... It won't come in my time, uh, because uh, you know it's not going to come in the next three years and so. Uh, we should have executive government. We are a democracy. You're only in... OK, this is a slightly different. We're four years, eight months because of COVID, etc. But we're a four-year term normally. Uh, and if you think he or she has made a mess of it, you can kick him out next time. Do you think that can work without parties? Yeah, I think it can. Because you know, I think it can because people still have little groupings uh, that they can get together. Uh, yeah, I think it can. Um, I would slim down the size of the states. I still think that thirty-eight members uh, is too much. Uh, I would twenty-five to thirty top whack. Uh, you'd have twelve or fifteen quotes in government and you'd have the balance uh, you know they're scrutinizing I think when we started this interview you you, you spoke about uh, some of the actions you'd like to have seen taken having taken longer than than you expected or wanted uh, what has been your experience generally of, of your 19 months as, as PNR president? I mean, are, are you enjoying the role? Are you achieving what you thought you would be able to achieve? Would you stand, if you went back now 19 months, would you stand for the role? Yeah, I would. If you could turn, you know, do a Doctor Who and turn the clock back. Uh, am I enjoying it? Yeah. You don't enjoy everything, of course. There are certain things that I'd be telling great big lies if I said I'd enjoyed over the last 19 or 20 months. Uh, have I achieved as much as I wanted? No. Is that partly because of you or partly because of your committee or, or almost entirely because of the way the states works? 
I don't think it, well, you've got to take some responsibility if you're the, the senior politician. So perhaps some of it is me. Certainly don't think it's because of my committee, because they're good people. Of course, we have different views on certain things at certain times, but it's always done in a very civilised and balanced way. Uh, and we come to a conclusion. Sometimes it's a majority conclusion, but that's fair enough, um, because we aren't party system. The uh, I think it's because the way things work. In, in what way? States, you sit there sometimes uh, and you think... Uh, why is that person speaking in every debate? Because we can't make a contribution in every debate. Uh, why this is clearly going to go this way or that way. It's not a middle area of ground where you think, well, fair enough, I have a few more speeches, see what if, if they're going to change the view. People still get up and speak. And also the processes. The states, I'm not talking about just the state's members, the state's processes have been so conservative, I'm not talking about a politician conservative, so bureaucratic. I mean, you get policy letters, you get papers, hundreds of pages of paper, because people want to make sure they've given you every conceivable piece of information, looked at it in every conceivable way, uh, and we've only got an attention span of that much. It'd be much better to have concentrated... And we, we're getting there. But I was going to say, I mean, this obviously frustrates you. It's, yep. You've spoken about this before. But is it, is it changing? It, it can changing. it be changed? Yeah, the answer is, of course it can. And it is being changed. Uh, but you know, occasionally there are aberrations... Um, I want to finish uh, by um, talking about your rivalry, and you may contest that word, but I think it probably is a fair representation with um, Deputy St Pierre. Yep. Uh, you have had two uh, successive PNR presidential elections yep. against each other, um, and the impression from looking into the states is that there is, broadly speaking, a Peter Furbrush camp and a, and a Gavin St Pierre camp. Um, I, I'm assuming that you, you, you don't contest that interpretation. Um, what effect do you think that has had on the kind of political culture and the performance of the states going back now over, over the six, six years, years that yeah. you've been in the states together? Yeah, I think, of course, he, people are going to say who he's going to say that. I think it showed last time that actually, and uh, my voting record will show, that sometimes I voted with PNR with others didn't. It wasn't a personality thing at all, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that's the case now with the with the roles being switched. Uh, I just don't think it's the case. I mean, for example, you've mentioned Deputy St Pierre, very much in favour of GST. No, he's not in favour of GST. There's no logical reason for him to do that, other than he can say what he likes, and if he does, I don't believe him, frankly. And I'm not calling him a liar. Uh, the um, position in relation to uh, GST... It was either good then uh, or bad then. There's no good Our financial position hasn't changed over that period of time. Nothing has changed. We've been facing these problems for a long time. We just haven't addressed them. So uh, I think that's poor. Uh, and uh, also, I think, uh, yeah, let's be honest, I have a reputation as a courtroom lawyer as being abrasive and aggressive. And I was, because that's what I was paid to do. And I think I was reasonably good at it, reasonably successful over a long period of time. Uh, but that isn't my style so much in the States. Uh, you know, I do listen to people. I have been influenced over the years. I can remember many years ago, my first uh, time in the States, I got up and made a speech on something. And then Roger Berry got up and made a speech. And I thought, he, I said, I'm going to definitely vote this way. When it came to vote, I voted the other way. Because I was influenced by the debate. I don't think if I said something of that, I wouldn't have the pearls of wisdom of Roger Berry. But... 
if I did, I don't think it would influence Deputy CPA, where it would the other way around. Does that frustrate you? I mean, quite apart from whatever effect it has on the way the state operates, does it affect you? Do you think you're not getting a fair ride as PNR president uh, in the way that you should be from some of your colleagues? In a democracy, you've got to be open to criticism. You know, you've got, otherwise you think I'm getting everything right. And of course you don't get everything right. You get some things wrong as long as you can remedy them or realise that you've made a mistake or be persuaded on certain issues. So I don't know, I think it's for them to make their decisions as to how they behave. Uh, I thought, that, you know, and I don't mind if it's criticised, I thought his behaviour in relation to the personal issue that he raised in the States last time was absolutely disgraceful. Uh, and he should have apologised to the people in question, but of course he hasn't. I would have done. Do you think the leadership of this state uh, is perhaps more prickly? Not, I'm not, I don't mean you. No. Uh, you know, you're, you're a very um, seasoned politician, and including in experienced roles, but I'm talking collectively about the leadership of the states. Do you think that the, the, the states is more prickly to um, outside criticism than has tended to be the case in the past? You mean outside of the state's criticism? Yeah. I don't think... So. I think, well, it depends. Uh, social media is part of the 21st century. It's only existed, what, the last 10 or 12 years, really, probably, uh, in real terms. And it tends to be the same people saying the same things, you know. Uh, there are certain times when you get some sensible people, but you get lots of people repeating the same stuff. I don't think that's productive for anybody. Uh, I do think we can have a more balanced uh, currency press. I mean, you know, Deputy Roffey, uh, Deputy St Pierre, uh, former Deputy Graham, because uh, he's changed, I think, in his views over the period of time, Horace Camp, Richard Digger, are all of the same view. I think it'd be nice to have, just for a more, in a small community, we've got one national paper to have a more balanced view. You need to stick to reading Bailiwick Express. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do read that, of course, it's well, as well, Matt. Um, and uh, very much, finally, the, the big issue of, of the week. Um, you're a, a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Absolutely. Um, who is going to get fourth spot? Well, I'd like to, to Spurs or Arsenal? Well, I'd like to say us, because you were appalling against Newcastle. Uh, you weren't very good against us the week before. But this is football, and Spurs have had some wonderful results and some really awful results. I wouldn't put it beyond the bound of possibility to hear on Sunday afternoon Norwich 2, Tottenham 1, you know, Arsenal 2, uh, Everton 1, and then you've got it. The balance must be with us now, isn't it? And you're an Arsenal so. supporter, it must be with us. I, I would have thought it, it, it's Spurs to lose, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Deputy Furbrush. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luna. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe and share. Remember, you can always hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with what's happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matt Fallais and all the Bailiwick team next week.